and therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look at the young woman, she is with child and shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. And we carry on with a second reading this morning from Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they had lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child she conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had, been, until she had born a son, and named, he named him Jesus. Well, lights, yes. Now, I've had strict instructions from my boss this morning, that is my earthly boss, that we've not got to have a short message and it's got to go on a little bit longer. Okay. Now, many of you won't know this, but on Sunday mornings, Peter Orphan, who's the minister at Salisbury Baptist, sends out a piece of scripture and a prayer for the ministers locally. And he sent one this morning, which I'm just going to share with you. He says, hi all, praying for you all today as you minister and worship blessing. Sorry, as you minister and worship, blessings Pete. He's put a PS afterwards. As it's Christmas cracker season, a man goes into an Indian restaurant and orders a chicken taka. The waiter says, sorry, I don't know that dish. He says, it's a bit like a tikka, but a little otter. <laughs> I thought that was quite good. Going back to the scripture that we heard in Isaiah, I wonder if people in Isaiah's time would have found this prophecy as difficult as some try to understand it today. And I include theologians. Was it referring to Isaiah himself or to Jesus? The virgin will be with child. It does not say the virgin will conceive, as some believe is a true translation, or that it refers to a young woman rather than a virgin but that it is a sign from God. It is initiated from God, not man. And Isaiah claims it will be a boy, a 48% chance of accuracy. Now, I'm not wanting to argue any of the aforementioned points, but draw your attention in this passage in Matthew 18 to 25. But notice with me that Isaiah suggests the child will be called Emmanuel, and Matthew records the child will be called Jesus. 
Yes, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So maybe Matthew already knew Emmanuel was Jesus. So if you weren't confused already, just look at what Matthew records at the beginning of his account of the birth of Jesus. First it says, Joseph is is said to be engaged to Mary. Then he is said to be planning to quietly, or quickly as we heard, divorce her. That in itself is an oxymoron for how can you quietly be divorced? But there you go. Next we read that Mary is called his wife, and they've not even married yet. However, all these are true and accurate, for they represent normal Jewish marriage procedure. In Jewish marriage, there were three steps. Firstly, there was the engagement, and this was often made when the couple were often children themselves and made through their parents, or through a professional matchmaker, and yes, they were around all that time ago. But even more surprisingly, without the couple having even seen each other, marriage was held to be too, marriage was held to be far too serious a step to be left to the order of human passion or the human heart. Secondly, there was betrothal. To us, that would be the ratification of the engagement into which the couple had previously entered. It is at this point that the engagement made either by the parents or the matchmaker could be broken off if the girl was unwilling to go ahead with it. But once betrothal, and I nearly said betrayal then, was entered into, it was absolutely binding. It lasted for one year, while during that time the couple were known as man and wife. However, they did not have the rights of man or wife, and it could only be terminated by divorce. It was at this stage that we find Mary and Joseph. They were betrothed, and if Joseph wished to end the betrothal, he could only do so by divorce. And at that year of betrothal, Mary was legally known as his wife. The third stage was called the marriage proper, which took place at the end of the year of betrothal. Now, having understood now the new, the normal Jewish wedding customs, then the relationships in this passage becomes clearer and more perfectly normal, perhaps. So it's at this stage it was told to Joseph that Mary was to bear a child, and that child had been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and that he must call that child Jesus. Jesus is the Greek form of the Jewish name Joshua, and Joshua means Jehovah is salvation. Long before the psalmist heard God say, It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities, Psalm 130, verse 8. And Joseph was told that this child who was to be born would grow into the Savior, who would would save God's people from their sins. Jesus was not so much the man born to be king, as he was the man to be Savior. He came into this world 
not for his own sake, but for humankind and for our salvation. This passage we have heard tells us how Jesus was born by the action of the Holy Spirit. And it speaks of what we call the virgin birth. Now, if we were to read this passage for the first time with fresh eyes, we would find the fact that it stresses not so much that Jesus was born of a woman who was a virgin, but more that the birth of Jesus is the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 says, But before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, For the child in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, please do not think I'm denying the, the virgin birth. I'm just focusing upon, focusing upon the scripture here in Matthew and posing why he has chosen to say that. Why has he said that the birth of Jesus is of the Holy Spirit? You see, in Jewish thought, the Holy Spirit had specific functions. The Christian idea of the Holy Spirit is that in all its fullness, because Joseph would not know nothing about it, it was different. They understood the Holy Spirit different to how we do today. 2,000 years later, we know of his work and his methods. So we must interpret it in the light of the Jewish idea of the Holy Spirit, for that's how Joseph would have understood it. And that was all he knew. Now, according to the Jewish idea, the Holy Spirit was the person who brought God's truth to man. It was the Holy Spirit who taught the prophets what to say. It was the Holy Spirit who taught men of God what to do. It was the Holy Spirit who throughout the ages and generations brought God's truth to humankind. Let me put it in another way. Jesus is the one person who can tell us what God is like and what God hopes us to be. In Jesus alone, we see what God is like and how we humans ought to be. So before Jesus, humankind only had a vague and shadowy knowledge about God, and one which was quite often wrong. Even now, people have this wrong conception about an angry God whose aim is to punish humankind. But Jesus would say, He who has seen the, me has seen the Father. John 14, verse 9. In Jesus, we see the love, the compassion, the mercy, the seeking heart, the purity of God as nowhere else in the world. With the birth of Jesus, the time of guessing is gone, and the time of certainty is come. Before Jesus came, nobody really knew what goodness was. In Jesus alone, we see true manhood, true goodness, and true obedience to the will of God. Jesus came to tell us the truth about God and the truth about ourselves. You see, the Jews believed that the Holy Spirit not only brought God's truth to humankind, but also enabled men to recognize that truth which they saw. So, 
Jesus opened men's eyes to the truth. Men who are blinded and women by their own ignorance. We are both led astray by our own prejudices. Our minds and eyes are darkened by our own sins and our own passions. In a novel by William J. Locke, he writes about a wealthy woman who had traveled the world and seen many beautiful paintings in many art galleries, but was bored. She was unfulfilled. In her travel, she met a Frenchman who had very few worldly goods, but a wide knowledge and a great love for beauty. He spent many hours with her and educated her upon life as he knew it. Her perspective soon changed, and she said, I never knew things were like that until you taught me how to look at them. It's the same for us. Life is quite different when Jesus teaches us how to look at things. You see, when Jesus enters our hearts, our eyes see things quite differently. For he opens our eyes that we may see things as he does. Have your eyes been opened? Has your heart been softened? Do you have compassion for once where you saw hatred? You see, only Jesus can change you and help you, but you have to ask him. Only Jesus can give you perfect peace, which the world cannot give. Now, the Jews especially connected the Spirit of God with the work of the creation. It is through his Spirit that God performed his creating work. You might remember that in the beginning, the Spirit of God moved across the face of the waters and chaos became a word. Genesis 1 verse 2. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, said the psalmist. And all the host of them by the breadth of his mouth. Psalm 33 verse 6. Both in Hebrew, ruach, and in Greek, Numa, the word for breath, and spirit has the same word. The spirit is the creator of the world and the giver of life. So then, in Jesus, there came into the world God's life-giving and creating power. In Jesus, there entered the world the very power of God himself. So that power which reduced chaos to order, is come to bring order and discord into our discorded life. That power which breathed life into that which there was no life is come to breathe life into our weakness and frustrations. Let me put it another way. I would go as far as saying that we are not truly alive until Jesus enters our lives. But more importantly, enters our hearts. Yes, we can know about Jesus, but until this head knowledge becomes heart knowledge, it's knowledge without action, without hope. And I hope many of you would agree with that. 
The Jews especially connected the spirit, not only with the work of creation, but with the work of recreation. Ezekiel and Robin Mark, the singer, as we will hear later, draws upon this grim picture of the valley of dry bones and tells us that they came alive. And then he hears God say, I shall put my spirit in you and you shall live. Now, the rabbis had a saying, God said to Israel, in this world, my spirit has put wisdom in you. But in the future, my spirit will make you to live again. You see, when we are, when we are dead in sin and laziness and dead in mind and soul in heart, it is the spirit of God that can waken them to life anew. So in Jesus, there comes into this world the power which, that can remake and recreate life. He alone can bring life again to the soul which is dead in sin. He alone can make strong again the world to offer goodness which has perished. He alone can remake and recreate life when we have lost all that life means. You see, in this passage, there is far much more than the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin mother because the core of Matthew's story is that in the birth of Jesus, the Spirit of God operated as never before in the world. It is the Spirit that enables us to recognize the truth when we see it. It was God's Spirit who was God's agent in the creation of the world. It is God's spirit who alone can recreate the, whom, the human soul when it has lost the life it ought to have. You see, Jesus enables us to see what God is like and how we ought to be. Jesus opens the eyes of our minds so that we can see the truth Jesus is the recreating power which releases human souls from the death of sin. So my question to you this morning is, so where do you stand today? Do you have head knowledge, but has it reached your heart? Do you have compassion for the lost, the lonely, the downtrodden? Is Jesus just a person who lived this earth that has no meaning as Lord and Saviour. In the quietness of your own hearts, ask Jesus to soften your heart and allow him to enter into your life. Tell him you are sorry for the things you have done and ask him to take control of your life from now on. Why not celebrate this Christmas with Jesus as the ruler of your life from now into eternity. It will be the best decision you could ever make.